0: Hey guys, this is Free Food for Thought, a student-run, student-focused
1: podcast here to feed your curiosity. I'm Janine. I'm Nisha. We are very excited to have Chris Temple here joining us today. Chris is a co-founder of Living on One, a production and social impact studio that creates films to raise awareness and inspire action around pressing global issues. Chris's first film, Living on One, followed Chris, along with Zach, as they spent the summer living on only a dollar a day in a remote Guatemalan village. Their most recent project is Salam Neighbor, a documentary that follows their one-month journey in Jordan, uh, where they lived in a Syrian refugee camp. As the first filmmakers ever allowed by the United Nations to be given a tent and registered inside a refugee camp, Chris and Zach's work will be providing an inside look at an environment foreign to most Americans. So welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So making documentaries isn't really a common career choice for CMC alumni. Mm -hmm. Um, So what made you pick this as your sort of... um, medium for
2: change? Yeah, you know, for us, it's a bit of a long story, but it did start, uh, it. it I, call our, I call ourselves accidental filmmakers, where we were, I was in an economics and international relations major here. Um, and then through, really for us, the filmmaking has become a medium to tell the stories about the issues that we really care about. So we don't really make, frequently make documentaries. For us, it's been really these two major films that have allowed us to delve extremely deeply and with a very intimate and and focused look at at single concepts. So the first one was on One Dollar as you guys know of looking at these issues of extreme poverty but specifically through the financial lives of the extreme poor and then now looking at uh, the Syrian refugee crisis um, about we were actually the first filmmakers ever allowed to to be registered and given a tent inside of a refugee camp to really not simulate life of a refugee, but take the time to um, to, to really listen, you know, and to, to understand this crisis firsthand and, and not just through the, the lens of the news that we see.
1: And do you think going into film right out of college has been something that was to your benefit or maybe something that's also placed limitations on, you, on your
2: company? Yeah, well, you know, what's fun about film and storytelling, especially when you're doing it in the way that we are right now, as such a small organization, is we do all elements of the work. So it's not just the filmmaking we get to on the Syrian refugee project, you get to spend about a year doing extensive research on the issue is the first step to, to the project. Uh, so contacting every research institute, re- reading all this nerdy CMC-style uh, economics research on the economies of refugee camps. Um, and then you get through to the actual experiential learning part of get to get in be inside a refugee camp. That is an incredible just life experience to have. Um, and then when you get back, you have the filmmaking part of editing and creating the piece. And then beyond that, i get to do this and get to talk to people and, and try to push the agenda and the change that we that we want to see um, and get to share that story with others so so i feel like uh i feel like there's so many different elements to to what it means to be you know a filmmaker a documentary filmmaker um and i feel like a lot of people who are in an entrepreneurial space in some way know have, have felt that too
1: definitely um so we want to talk to you specifically about Salam neighbor and uh, kind of where your motivation came for this documentary, and also what new challenges you faced from living on one dollar.
2: Yeah, so you know, this project was inspired actually when we were you know, we we were finishing up living on one dollar. We were on tour. We were seeing the success of of this style of of filmmaking, uh, and we met this incredible woman, uh, Salam Darwasa, who is actually the daughter of Palestinian refugees. Um, and in that conversation, we she was telling us about you know these bigger questions we weren't seeing answered in the news things like what is it like to just lose your home and then even beyond that how do you rebuild your life successfully after you've lost everything and these answers weren't getting weren't getting talked about in the news at all in the focus on on violence that we were seeing in the news um so we started exploring more researching more into the issue getting fascinated by uh by this crisis and 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 these certain questions. Um, and so continue to develop the project over again about a, a nine month to a year period. And, and I think what's, what's always funny with these projects is people assume that they are, um, you know, that, that you have everything planned out from day one, but it's really you're, you're exploring and, and seeing where it develops. And I think that's what's so fun for while you're in college too, is you can kind of put out these feelers into 10 different projects and, and see which ones start to bite and then run with it.
0: So going back to Living on One, one of the most powerful things that I remember from watching the film is the personal relationships you built while in Guatemala, especially Anthony. Um, Can you tell us about any particular people or families that um, really impacted your perspective on the refugee crisis?
2: Yeah, so I'm excited to get to show the film to you guys tonight at uh, 8 o'clock in McKenna, and you'll get to meet the people that affected our lives. But, you know, I think there are a lot of people, but really one thing that I want to touch upon is you know, before going, we were nervous, right? Before, obviously, you're going to live in a Syrian refugee camp. What you see in the news, it's all about fear. It's all about ISIS. It's it's this discussion. Um, but when we arrived on that first day, you know, we, we walk into the, we head into the refugee camp. We're setting up our tent and uh, all of our neighbors just start pouring out of the tents around us to help us set up and to offer us tea and to kind of, to welcome us into the community. And, and, uh, and that's, the moment where all fear dissipated. And we never, you know, and then we were in the experience, we were just meeting people. Um, And one of the, you know, one of the first people that we became close with was this 28 year old guy named Ismail. He was uh, studying to be a French teacher in university in Damascus. um, And really was just like you and me.
0: Did you feel any resentment from people when they realized that, you know, you weren't actually a refugee and you had a home to go to, or were they understanding of your purpose for being there and Mm -hmm. welcoming?
2: yeah we were expecting issues um, we were thankfully we didn't really have any uh, where the you know the project was never designed as a simulation really you know we can never replicate what people have gone through um, but I think people were excited that somebody was willing to take the time to listen uh, where a lot of the population, Frequently, journalists come into the camp and would talk to people for one or two hours a day. And you stick a camera in someone's face and you ask them to tell you about the trauma of your life, and then you leave. Especially with this traumatized population, that there was a lot of frustration about that type of storytelling. And so I think I think we maybe we hit it at the it was the right timing for us to be there. But but people were very open to if you're really willing to listen, I'm really willing to talk to you. And and I think that that you know that made the film what it is because there's it's such an intimate portrayal of people's lives in a way that, that we weren't seeing in, in news
1: um, kind of going back to what you were saying about how you were afraid you know coming to Jordan and hearing what you had seen or hearing and seeing things on the news um, I think that's really embodied well in the trailer when one of the refugees says there's an impression that Arabs and Muslims are terrorists have we given you this impression um, how do you see the prevailing trend of Islamophobia impacting the Syrian crisis? And what is the best way to combat this
2: fear? Yes, that conversation was what the experience was all about, right, of, of being able to sit there and get comfortable enough that we're, we're gonna delve into our perceptions of each other as these different cultures, these different religions. And it's that kind of communication that stops, that stops violence, that breaks down fear between different worlds. And so it, that's my answer to your question is, the, how we stop the Islamophobia, how we stop uh, this this move towards kind of this violent world that we're seeing, it is through communication, it's through understanding. Um, and I think it becomes even more apparent when you realize that, you know, the refugees in the camp are listening to this conversation that's happening right now. So, you know, when we went back just a month ago, uh, you know, we got asked about Donald Trump's comments about refugees, about uh, different, different of what is happening in the news they're listening and so i think it's being very careful about what you say um it isn't you know these are people's lives and they're real people who have who have dignity and and should be treated with it
1: and how do you tell those refugees about what's going on in the west and some of the really you know cool things that we say about them here
2: Mm -hmm. and i think you know the you know in the film you'll see tonight too one of the refugees makes a comment after that conversation in that same conversation where he says Look, you know, people all over the world are good. It's 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 the governments and the policies that get us get us in trouble. Um, and uh, and I think that you know, again, that's kind of this example that it's really through communication that we break down these barriers. Um, and uh, and so you know, when when we're there, yeah, I think you know, that that's where it starts. Yeah.
0: So what advice would you give to a student or a young person who wants to help the Syrian refugees?
2: So there's a lot of different ways. I mean right now what we think is exciting is you can come to our website, salamneighbor.org, and uh, we have a lot of different ways that people can get engaged. The number one thing I think is it's about starting this conversation. So hosting a screening of this film, bringing it to your local theater, your school, your community, uh, emailing your high school teachers is actually a hugely effective way of getting the film out. Um, so we encourage you guys to do that. And then secondly, you know, we have three organizations that that we believe are doing really good work on the ground that you can support uh, financially. Um, and I know it's t- more difficult for students to make that kind of big leap, but you do have a voice. Um, and so the third is on the advocacy side, we have a petition going that actually contacts local mayors. So it's like reaching out locally to, to encourage your local mayor that, that you are not afraid of Syrian refugees. And I think that that, uh, you know, that dialogue is something that's very important to be happening right now and separating, as we were just talking about, separating the refugees as a population who are f- fleeing ISIS, fleeing war from the atrocities that people are associated with.
1: So, as the last question of our show, we like to kind of ask the same one, which is, what is your personal definition of success, and what advice would you give to college students who are trying to define their version of success?
2: What is my personal version of success? Um, I think, you know, to me, success is, when you can create something and create an impact uh, not only through the work that you do and the, what your job is but through the way that you live your life uh, and that you know, your energy, your passions as a student or your other friends around you, it's infectious and that's I think it is so important to remember that you know, even you going out and, and doing it, being willing to travel one summer, or do a more unique internship, or following your passion might encourage somebody else to believe that they can do that too. Uh, so, I mean, I think at the end of the day, whatever you decide to do, it doesn't have to be on refugee issues, it doesn't have to be on global poverty or the things that I, I'm a huge nerd for, but it can be on on art or science or music or whatever it is, but as long as you you're passionate for it, then you're gonna make a positive impact on it, not just through your work, but through that, that infectious love of what you do.
0: All right, well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you again, Chris, for uh, joining us. And to all the listeners out there, remember to stay hungry.